Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Uh, today is a pleasure to have with me a member of the Earlham uh, Athletic Hall of Fame, uh, a Marion Giant, uh, and he played his college basketball under the uh, legend Del Harris, and he's probably seen over 35,000 shooters in his career, and shooting instructor, Coach Avis Stewart. Coach Stewart, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the program, sharing your memories of uh, the great game of basketball in Indiana. And uh, I, I know you have a busy schedule, and, and, and we appreciate it. And welcome to the program. Oh, no problem, Billy. We appreciate it, and uh, we hope we can uh, add something to the program that's uh, a little different than, than maybe some of the things in the, that you've had on before. I'm sure we will. Coach, tell me, uh, when were you first introduced to the game of basketball, and who, who was it from? Well, actually, I was first introduced at a, at a very early age. It was, uh, um, I remember my, my dad and, uh, and uncle, we, we went to watch this team that's called the Ray Crow All-Stars. And you remember Ray Crow from Indianapolis Christmas Addicts? Right. And uh, he had a, a group of players. Uh, Willie Mayweather was one of them from, uh, from, from that era. Uh, Oscar obviously was not playing with them. He was playing in the, the pros. But uh, I remember watching the Ray Crow All-Stars <clears throat> play at a small gym in Converse, Indiana, where uh, Oak Hill High School is actually located. And uh, I remember the players being very friendly. I remember enjoying watching the game. And uh, that piqued my interest at probably, you know, that's age five, uh, I'd say. So very young. And and what what was going on in the state of uh, Indiana with high school basketball about the time you started going to Marion High School? Um, about the time I started going to Marion High School, I, I really think it was the uh, the peak of of Indiana basketball as far as uh, uh, you know during that particular era, uh, and it might have been maybe a fifteen twenty year time period or whatever, but. 
it, it was still a, a one-class system. Um, we uh, we played at the old Coliseum in Marion, and in my uh, junior and senior years, the Coliseum held uh, 6,500 people, and we sold 6,400 season tickets, and we had 100 tickets available for the uh, the visiting team to use. Uh, they could have sold more, but they, they kept 100 tickets for the visiting team to use. So it was a time that... Uh, they were big uh, booster clubs. Uh, the, the community interest was really high. Uh, not that the game still isn't isn't good in, in Indiana. Not that they still don't draw good crowds. But even back then, it was it was uh, totally different. It was uh, it was really uh, a time. And even the small schools, uh, they really prepared to play against us in the. Uh, in the, the sectional tournament, and it was always big if they could come in and, and knock off uh, a Marion at the sectional tournament. So normally when we played in the tournament setting, it would be the, the Marion fans cheering, and then all of the uh, the county fans would be obviously cheering against the, the, the Giants, wanting to make sure that we couldn't advance. Do you remember your first game that you went to before you actually attended Marion High School? And tell us about the atmosphere uh, there during a game. Uh, well, yeah, I do. Uh, the, the coaches then, uh, my, my brother actually, uh, played, uh, before I did at, at Irwin. Uh, Ken played there and a cousin, Steve Ward. Nick played for a guy by the name of, of Jack Colescott. And actually, Jack was my coach in, in high school as well. So I had very, very, very good, uh, coaching. So he, uh, he was the Marion coach. And what they did was they made sure that, all of the uh, the middle school teams, we we all uh, had tickets to go to the game, so we were all uh, obviously allowed in the game. The, the atmosphere again was was uh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, they they played before sellout crowds. Uh, I think just about every single time out that they they played as as well. Uh, they they were very good during his era as well when my brother played there. So, yeah, I do remember that. And the atmosphere was one that if you were a, uh, a student and you could play basketball, you definitely wanted to, to play before the number of people that they, were, they, they had at their games as well. You, you know, Marion is kind of, if you put it in a basketball analogy, college basketball analogy, it's kind of like a, a Duke, Kentucky, Indiana type, UCLA type program. Um, what was, did you have instant success when you got to Marion High School? And, you know, there was an AAU ball back then. And, and how did you stay in shape? Where did, you, where did you play your basketball? Did you have a basketball hoop at the house? No, we didn't have a hoop at the house. I grew up in, it was uh, the, the neighborhood I grew up in. It was, it, was, uh, it was a tough neighborhood, but it was one where our, our parents were very caring and loving. We had, I'm from a family of nine. All of us have uh, college uh, degrees, so... Our parents really paid attention to what we were doing uh, in the neighborhood. So we had to, to walk either, it, it would have been probably a half a mile or so when we were younger to play, or else as we got older, obviously, we, uh, we obviously got in, in the cars and, and, and would go play. I remember in the summers we would play, and uh, oftentimes we'd either go to Kokomo or Fort Wayne or whatever and play against guys in the summer. It wasn't AAU basketball. I think it was a little bit better, though. They, uh, the people would be uh, sitting on the side watching the game. Uh, it would, and in fact, there was a guy who wrote a story 
about uh, this, uh, and uh, David McCauley is his name. He wrote, called it Christmas City USA, but he talks about, Marion is called Christmas City USA, but what he's talking about is basketball, how the players would come over from Kokomo, Anderson, Fort Wayne, whatever, play at this place called 38th Street Park in Marion, and it was really, uh, the games there were very, very, very competitive. It was free for people to get into. You, you had a chance to hone your skills. You were playing against guys who often were, uh, you know, older than you, stronger than you. Uh, so you learned how to play the game uh, a little differently than what they do uh, in AAU. I think AAU is fine and has its place. But, again, I think when we grew up, it was uh, just a little better atmosphere because, uh, you know, you, if you won, you stayed on the court. If you lost, you were off the court. I mean, it was, it was pretty simple. Um, Throughout our uh, my my middle school years, I played on a, a middle school team. We we didn't lose any games uh, <laughs> there in the middle school. And then in my sophomore season at Marion, um, we lost to Short Ridge in the uh, uh, in the afternoon round by two points. The junior year, lost to Indianapolis, uh, Washington. Uh, I got hurt, and and I always blamed myself for uh, for our not playing as well. I was actually the uh, the first sub off the, the bench, and I, I broke my collarbone in my uh, sophomore year. In my junior year, I actually got a broken leg in the last football game. So I struggled to get well to play during those seasons. Now, I played in my senior year, ended up being the most valuable player on the team in almost Central Conference and those things, but didn't get to play as much as I wanted to in my, uh, my sophomore and junior years. And uh, those were really, really good teams with Jovan Price and uh, Joe Suter. Uh, they were kind of the anchors to, to those teams. Uh, Dan Gunn, uh, they, they, could really, they, could, they could really play. And uh, I just uh, always look back on that, think that uh, if I hadn't been hurt, maybe I could have given us just a little bit more to either get Short Ridge or Washington so that we could have played in the finals. Oh, the Short Ridge Satans. What a great name. Oh, yeah, and they were really good. Oscar Evans played for them, and obviously McGinnis and Downing were playing for uh, for Indianapolis, Washington in 69, and those, those guys were, um, well, the combined, which, which I'm sure you well know, the combined record of all the teams in that particular Final Four was 110-1 and one going into the, uh, to the Final uh, Four, and the only loss, I believe, Gary Tulliston had the loss to... Uh, the eventual Illinois State champion, and they lost to him, I believe, in triple overtime. Uh, so nobody had lost to anyone within the state of Indiana of the four teams that made it to the Final Four. So somebody was going to have to win it, and Washington prevailed on that day, and uh, Bill Green, and uh, shortly after that, then Green left Washington and went to Marion and had a heck of a run at Marion. So you were hurt and did not play against Washington, is that correct? Did not get to play. No, I was hurt. Yeah, I got hurt in both of those years. And then the following years, when I said I, I was well, I decided not to play football, just to concentrate on, on basketball, and uh, ended up averaging 15 points, 10 rebounds a game. So I said made all more central conference, all sectional, all regional player. But uh, that was the one season I escaped without any injuries. But I, I wish I could have escaped without injuries the, the year before. Um, I, I, I think I could have helped us uh, move on. That's uh, what I said. By being all more central conference, all section, all regional, and the, with the team's most valuable player the next year, uh, 
but who didn't get to play in the in the big game against uh, uh, McGinnis and uh, and Downey. Um, and as you look back on it, I know you're probably just you know just chomping at the bit and wishing you were out there on the floor against Washington. But but did you take that in and 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 what was that like? What are your memories of of, of watching Big Mac and Downing? I try not to remember a lot of that because we had a 12 point lead with about five minutes to go, and the clock stopped working at uh, at Hinkle, and so we couldn't tell you know how much time. They were giving us the time from the bench. You know, you could hear them and you could hear, hear them say how much time is left in the game. But it, it seemed like the longest five minutes, you know, in the uh, in the world uh, for the, the game to be completed. And you knew that they had a run in them. You knew that they were going to come at us, and they, they did. Uh, and so I, I try not to remember that much. There was also the, the question about was a, a foul credited to uh, Downing that should have been to McGinnis. There are a lot of different things. The thing is, though, they were just really good. We were really good. Uh, Collison was good. Vincent, uh, they were good. All the teams there were, were just really uh, outstanding basketball teams. I don't know who the best state champion of all time is uh, by any means, but I would say that that was the best Final Four ever in the state of Indiana. I, I'm not sure that it will ever be... Uh, be topped by by any teams uh, in in the state. Coach, uh, during your high school career at Marion, what were some of your favorite places to play besides at Marion? Well, the wigwam obviously brings back great memories. You know, we'd go play at the wigwam, and the Indian would come out and dance. And uh, and you know, we were playing when we played at the wigwam. It was it was packed most of the time. Uh, we played. We had to go at that particular time. We played the sectional at Marion, but the regional then went through Anderson. Uh, the semi-state went through Fort Wayne, and then we advanced on to Indianapolis from there. So the Wigwam was probably the, 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 the most fond memory, although, you know, Newcastle, who couldn't ever enjoy playing at Newcastle when you think of the, the number of people and seats whenever you walk into a place like that. And they obviously were in the, the conference as well. The old Muncie Fieldhouse, just because of the history that was there with all of the state titles that they had won. Um, you know, Kokomo, uh, uh, a nice year. You know, just about any place that you traveled in the North Central Conference. Actually, Logan Sports Gym wasn't very nice, but I remember at the end of the floor there was a uh, a net at one end of the floor because if you were running a little too fast, you could run right off. There was probably maybe 12, 15 feet at the end of the floor, and then a net to stop you because if you didn't stop, you just kind of run right off and dropped down, I don't know, four or five feet. I'm, I'm not sure why they didn't finish that end of the floor, but they didn't. So, so I don't know if it was a fond memory or just one that I will always remember, uh, you know, when playing at, uh, at the high school level. But, yeah, all the North Central Conference gyms were just, they, they were really nice to play in. Uh, the, the atmosphere was always good. That's uh, so what I said. They, they all had large... Uh, uh, you know, pep uh, bands and booster clubs. Uh, and so you knew that you were going to, whenever we stepped on the floor, we knew we were going to play in front, especially in the North Central Conference game, at least before 4,500, 5,000 people. No matter where we were playing, uh, we knew it would be a, a nice crowd. Coach, now I know, uh, you know, Marion probably is like, you know, some of the major universities now where, you know, once the schedule came out, all the teams would uh, uh, prepare yeah, I mean, you, you, you guys were probably marked and got your best game from most teams that you played, and how did you guys prepare for that? 
Say that again, Billy. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, you know, it, you're kind of like, Marion, kind of like the major uh, college basketball powers. You know, people are like, you know, when they get ready to play them, no matter who you are or how small of a school you are, you, your, your preparation is for, you know, teams like Marion, teams like Muncie Central. And how'd you guys prepare for that? And you guys had to do that on like a game-by-game -game basis. You know, we, we kind of prepared the, the same way all the time you know, because we knew every game was a big game to, to anybody that uh, that we were playing against. And they took it as a big game because they, they felt like if they beat us, that it, it, you're right, it meant something to their season. So uh, that's just the way we prepared. Actually, one of the things that, uh, uh, I'll tell you a quick story, one of the things I, I did when I uh, came to Richmond um, uh, after after coaching at Richmond High School and and, and Earlham for a while, uh, I helped a, a guy coach an AAU team with uh, Billy Wright and Chad Austin, Damon Lewis, and guys from Richmond. They went ahead and won the, the state title in '92, so they made us look really good as, as AAU coaches. Uh, but one of the things that we would always tell those guys was, it's not who you play, but it's how you play. And that's really the the thing that I think. In, in high school, we kind of thought about as well. It really wasn't as much as about who we were playing against. It, it was how we were going to play and prepare. Well, interestingly enough, when Billy Wright's uh, Western Illinois team upset uh, uh, Wisconsin this year at Wisconsin in the season opener, I guess he started the press conference by saying to the writer, he said, we always tell our players, look, it's not who we're playing, but it's how we play. So I thought, well, something stuck. I don't know if he did anything else, but something <laughs> stuck. And he, uh, and so I sent him a, an email, and he said, yeah, he said, I was thinking back to the AAU days and what you used to tell us about it's not who you play, but how you play. And so, yeah, that's, that's how we prepare. It, it, it's almost like the golf we're playing the, the golf course. You're, you're playing against the course. You know, you're, you're, you're playing against yourself, the course, to make yourself better. So every game that we played, that's, that's what we had in mind. We really didn't talk about winning and losing. I think the expectation was that we were going to win. Uh, you know, obviously we didn't win all the time, but that was the expectation going into any game is we thought that we could win that particular game. You know, you mentioned football. How good were you in football, and what other sports did you play while you were at Marion? Uh, ran track and played football. Uh, we were pretty good. Uh, that was a good era at Marion. We won the... Uh, the North Central Conference title in uh, in both track and and football. Uh, football was rated number two, number five in the state. We were nine and one one year. My junior year, uh, ten and zero. In my senior year, I actually uh, on the reserve team. I, I enjoyed playing a lot of sports. That's why I didn't play football my senior year. Although. When I was a sophomore, uh, and we were, we were good in my sophomore year playing on a reserve team, I actually was the most valuable player on the football team. And so I know they thought I was going to play football all the way through, but I, I just didn't want to do it after I got hurt. I wanted to play basketball for sure in my senior year. And then in track, we were, we were good. We had a coach by the name of Otis Archie, and he was really, really uh, uh, a great track coach. We won the North Central Conference, I remember, in my, uh, it was in my sophomore year that we won it, the, the one particular way. Both of our relay teams got disqualified, and you were actually given 10 points, and, and they both won. They both won, but they were disqualified because 
they said they either they didn't pass the baton within the zone or whatever. We still won the meet by over 20 points. So we won both of those relays, so we would have won the meet by 40 points or so. So we there were a lot of good athletes at Marion during that era. Uh, and so I just I was fortunate to be around guys who uh, were good athletes. Uh, we pushed each other to be better, uh, and uh, and we, we we had a lot of success and, and enjoyed the success and, and uh, I think it's an era when when Marion looks back on it that that people feel like it was it's very good as well from an athletic standpoint. And Coach Stewart, how do you how do you feel about basketball players today who who are probably maybe leaning toward being a better basketball player than other sports, but not playing other sports because they want to concentrate on just one sport. Do you think, do you, do you like that idea? You know, that's always a tough one because, uh, you know, anymore the, the kids, they, they almost have to concentrate on one. Maybe they can get by with two sports, but they certainly can't do all three. You know, they can't play football, basketball, baseball, football, basketball, track, Soccer, whatever it may be, basketball, uh, track. You know, they, they, they just because of the demands put on their time, um, because the, the it's, it's no longer regulated. Obviously, you know, you can play basketball throughout the summer, so it's, it's difficult. So I think when kids are, are looking at things and they're trying to figure out where do they want to focus, I, I think they have to focus at an, an earlier age. Um, do I wish it was different? I think from the kids' standpoint, it would be nice if it was different for them. Uh, because they could experience different things in, in life. I'm sure from a coach's standpoint, they want them to, to focus on a particular sport and, and hone in on that, on that sport. But it's, uh, yeah, so from the standpoint of, of the benefit of being a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old, uh, it would be better, I think, if they could play more sports. But quite honestly, realistically anymore, it would be very difficult for kids uh, to, to do that. Do you think AAU basketball today is good for the basketball athlete? I think it can be. I think there are times that it's not good. Uh, it, it's all according with the AAU coach. If, is the AAU coach in sync with, uh, with the high school coach and, and doing what the high school coach wants done? Uh, it's interesting. So I said I coached some AAU basketball here, and George Griffith was the uh, – the basketball coach at Richmond, and one of the things that, uh, and I was coaching with a guy by the name of Bob Van Pelt, his son, Bo Van Pelt, who's actually on the, the PGA Tour, was uh, a member of the team, one of the bad players, just that he was, he was in an era of the Richmond time where they had really, really good players as well. But uh, so what we asked George was, we said, uh, what do you want? He said, I want you to do, uh, he said, I want you to do two things. He said, I want to make sure that they have the freedom to do what they need to do offensively. Just let them do and let them develop their skills. And then he said, and I want you to make sure that they press, trap, uh, and play really hard. He said, after that, he said, it's up to me to teach them the other things. And he said, I'll put them in to whatever system. He said, but if you get them to do those things, he said, then, then he'll, he would take them from there. So that's what we did. You know, we did what he asked us to do. And if he said, you know, well, I'd like for you to work a little, you know, play that kid a little bit more, then we play the kid a little bit more. So I think if the AAU uh, coach is in sync with a high school coach, it's good. Now, we had all Richmond players. I don't think AAU is built around that 
anymore. And that, those guys were good. They were good enough that they ended up finishing ninth in the nation in the open bracket for the AAU. It was an all-Richmond team. Obviously, they're good enough to, to win the state title uh, as they got older as well for, the, uh, for Indiana, the high school state title. But uh, I, I, I don't think AAU is quite in sync anymore because often they build uh, all-star teams, uh, you know, to, to play. And these guys are 13, 14 years old, so they can still do that. I know that once you get into high school, then it does have to become an all-star team. Anyway, you can only have two or three uh, or two, two kids from a particular team on your AAU team. So then, again, I don't know how you would please all of the high school coaches once they uh, are playing in the, the, the summer, unless you put together a team where the coaches all say, yeah, if you get them to, to press and track and play hard and give them freedom offensively, then, then that's, that's fine. Uh, but, but I don't think that that's the case. So I, I, I think at a younger age, AAU can be very good. I think once it gets older, it's more difficult only because they really are all-star teams. Do you think that it changed just a little bit or became a little bit different once uh, uh, Nike, Adidas, Converse got into the mix with AAU? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I think the AAU coach uh, obviously then um, was able to, to get some, uh, uh, some nice uh, – I'm trying to think of a, a very good word – to, to <laughs> amenities from <laughs> – from those uh, from those organizations, and because of that, then they pass them on to the players, and you know, so uh, that's what really makes AAU a little more um, a little less appealing, I guess, uh, and 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 more of a problem than uh, than it it could and should be. It it could be something that could be really good for kids, but I, I do think because people have taken advantage of, uh, of the system. Uh, and then they get into using uh, athletes, the kids, and, and that, that's, that's not a, a good situation then. Coach, do you remember when you first got on the uh, scouting radar and who were the first few teams that uh, wanted you to come play basketball for them in college? Jeez. Uh, uh, yeah, I do. Because, you know, I mean, people were always in our gym because uh, – we were having success even in my, my sophomore and, uh, and junior year. So, and even though I was hurt, they still knew of me, about me. Then they came back to see me in my senior year. So, you know, I had some mid-major schools looking at me then, uh, Ball State, Miami. Uh, I had a, a lot of the smaller Division three schools looking. It was then called Indiana Central instead of the University of Indianapolis, Taylor, Earlham. Uh, you know, a ton of the Division three schools. I had some from Carolina. I, I think it was Western Carolina and Eastern Carolina, but they really didn't know much uh, about me, but they, they were there. Uh, so, yeah, and actually in football, uh, I actually had – I was on the IU and Purdue campus in my uh, junior year because they were looking at me to, to possibly play football, but uh, – I didn't uh, obviously I didn't follow that that route after I got hurt uh, at the end of my my junior year. So take us through the process of choosing Earlham College. And, you know it was pretty simple. I'll tell you why it was pretty simple. It's because my cousin had been here and my cousin, uh, very good player at at Earlham, um, uh, 
he's a, a dentist or just retired from being a dentist in the uh, Milwaukee area. But he came here, and our athletic trainer at, at Marion High School was an Earl grad. So he, he brought my cousin down here, and my cousin actually had offers to go to, uh, he turned down a full ride offer to go to University of Michigan. So he's, he's a very good athlete. He was a 6'8 high jumper here at Irwin, 23'11 long jumper, so 24-foot long jumper. Uh, and so he was the first one to come. My brother then came after him. So my cousin came here in 65. My brother came here in 66. So during that time, Coach Harris was here, and I had a chance to see Irwin play a lot. And so I had a chance to come to the campus stay on the campus, smaller campus, I like the environment, excellent, excellent school academically. Uh, we still think we're the, the, the best in the, the state of Indiana, although I'm sure that Paul Wabash would, uh, Notre Dame would want to argue with us on that, but, but we're, we're, we're all good. But, uh, uh, so I, I looked at it and I thought, you know, I'm 6'2", 6'2 and a half, I, I could jump pretty well, I could play pretty well, but I also knew that you know, you can, after being around guys who were playing at the Division One level, who were 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and could jump pretty well and play pretty well, you knew, well, you're not going to play pro basketball, so the decision's pretty, pretty simple. And the decision was that you go and you play for four years and you have a really good career with a coach like Coach Harris, or else you might go to a mid-level Division One. You might play some, you'll probably play more in your junior and senior year. You'll get a good education, but not a great education. And Earl gave me a great education. Uh, it, it really did. Um, so the choice was pretty simple. When my brother and cousin talked to me about it, they said, you're going to be challenged. You'll be challenged on the court. They said, uh, we were NAI at the time, which was very similar to Division III. We didn't give, they did not give athletic scholarships, but they give, did give academic scholarships. So fortunately enough, I was, a, I was a good student, so I got my college paid for, and my, my brother had the same thing and cousin the same thing uh, when we came through school. But it was pretty simple because Coach Harris always talked to me from my freshman year in high school, probably even eighth grade year, okay, all the way through until my senior year. And so he never took for granted that I was going to come to Irwin. And, in fact, what he did was he came and recruited me the same way that he recruited my brother. I mean, he came into our house. He sat down. He talked to my parents. He talked about the advantages of coming to Earlham, what the benefits of doing that, what he would get, what I would get from this later on in life. So, and quite honestly, the other coaches, they talk to you a lot in the gym. They might talk to my parents after a game or whatever. But none of them, uh, but you'd have to have grown up in the neighborhood that I grew up in. None of them came up into the, they came into the neighborhood where I lived other than Coach Eric. And, and he was actually the only one that came in to recruit my brother as well. And he, and he, had, he had different looks as well. My brother's about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and so he, he had some looks from some mid-majors uh, to go play there. But Coach Eric, uh and it was a good choice. I mean, you, never, you don't know when you're... 17, 18 years old, you know, whether you're making the right choices, the most unfair decision you have to make in life is, you know, where are you going to go to school because that's going to impact your life. Uh, you know, it impacts who you are for the rest of your life. But it was a good choice. Um, and whatever Coach Harris told us, it was, it was true. You know, he, he didn't promise 
any playing time. He didn't promise anything other than the fact that he would challenge us, that he would be there for us, and uh, and he still is. He still has been uh, to this day. And what was that transition like from Indiana High School basketball to Earlham? And, and did it surprise you? Did it disappoint you? Did, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your college career. Well, you know, it, no, it didn't surprise or disappoint me. And the reason why is because I'd seen my brother and cousin play. I mean, the Earlham gym at that time held about 2,500 people. And we were coming out of the gym that held 6,500 people. Most of the games, they would get 1,500 to 2,000. Some games, uh, if it was against somebody like Hanover, who was very good during the time, or Taylor, uh, you know, we were seen as rivals with them. You know, you'd, you'd fill it up with, with people from uh, the Richmond and, uh, and, and the campus community. Uh, so, no, it didn't surprise me. I wasn't, uh, wasn't bothered by it. I, I knew what I was getting into. I knew when I made that particular choice. Uh, but, you know, I, actually, in... in Middle school, you know, we were playing before a thousand, two thousand people, kind of on a regular basis. So I, I knew it would just be kind of transitioning back that way, as far as the people that you're playing in front of. But quite honestly, when you're playing at the Division Three level, because you really you're not on scholarship, so you're playing because you love the game and you got a passion for the game. Because uh, at any time you can say, "Well, I'm not playing anymore," and and it doesn't bother your scholarship. You know, you're acting because you're on an academic award is what it is. So, uh, no, I, I knew exactly what I was getting into, uh, and I would do it all over again. If I was given the same choice, I would definitely make the same choice that I made then. And at Earlham or in high school, when did the, you know, I want to teach this game or coach this game come into your mind? You know, probably a little bit in high school, uh, much more when I got to Earlham. Uh, it, I played for really good coaches. I had a, uh, a middle school coach by the name of Hank Williams who was really good. He, was, uh, uh, he, he, he drove us hard, made sure that uh, we, we got to class, did what we were supposed to do. And trust me, we probably wouldn't have if he hadn't done it. And then Coach Cole Scott was, was always really good with us. Uh, uh, but the same thing. He had a certain standard. Uh, and Coach Harris the same way. None of those coaches, I, I never had a coach uh, that I played for ever uh, swore at any of us as players. We always knew when they were upset with us, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I don't know if they were kind of the John Wooden era or whatever. And so I thought, you know, this is pretty good, the way that they motivate us, they, they make us come together and play. So I think it might have even started in middle school to high school and to watch them, how they, they worked with us to, to make us uh, uh, better people, better players. Um, and I think maybe coming from a big family, that's something that our parents always talked about too, was, uh, was making sure that we made sacrifices so that all of, all the whole family could, uh, could succeed and, and, and be successful. Uh, and they made plenty of sacrifices our parents did. And my dad wanted to teach and, and, and coach. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't finish his college degree because he ran out of money. But he would talk to us about the game of basketball, never would question what the coach was doing. He, his only rule to us was that when we were out there, well, he told us you have to play really hard. And then he expected us to play smart on the court. I remember there was 
one time in my career that I probably didn't play as hard as he wanted. And when I went home that night, he, he didn't, he, he wasn't nasty or bad with me, but I could tell he was very disappointed. <laughs> and I was kind of disappointed in myself after that, and I thought, I will never do that again. I will always play really hard. And so I think teaching happens at a lot of different levels, and probably because you don't even know it when you're younger, but some of the things that rub off on you from even elementary school to middle school to having high school and college coaches. Coach Harris never wore a whistle, never blew a whistle in practice. So he just talked to us basically uh, in about this tone, and if he got a little louder, we knew he was upset. And actually, Coach Colescott was, was basically the same way. He had a whistle, but he, I don't remember him blowing it other than to start practice and end practice, and that was about it. Uh, but basically, he, he talked to us and, and motivated us uh, maybe a little differently than what athletes are motivated today. You know, when you were done with your playing days, or you're getting ready to finish your playing days at Earlham, what was your, uh, what was your process or your path to, to coaching? Well, the, what I did was uh, I, I, I did want to coach, and one of the things I wanted to do at that particular time was to be a, a, an Indiana high school coach. Now, the, the difficulty with that was that, uh, and, and a guy named Michael Presti wrote an, an article on it, and he he went on and, and he's uh, a writer was a writer with USA Today and recently retired, uh, but he writes for the Indianapolis Business Journal. Now, but he wrote an article about the fact that, uh, uh, yeah, I wanted to go in and coach at the high school level, but it, it was difficult back then. It was difficult because it was the mid-70s, and quite honestly, to tell you the truth, even in the state of Indiana then, unless you were in um, a, a, a city, Indianapolis or Gary or Evansville maybe, maybe Fort Wayne, if you're at Fort Wayne Central, uh, to be an African American and to coach at the high school level was almost impossible back then. So to be a head coach, so I did become um, an assistant coach. Became an assistant coach with Dick Baumgartner, who uh, obviously an outstanding uh, coach at Richmond, and that's the guy who actually got me started with uh, shooting, looking at shooting. And Dick wrote a lot of. Uh, wrote a, a, a great books on, on, on shooting, how to do shooting, ran camps in Indiana for years, uh, developed the sure shot basketball. Uh, he's, uh, it, 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 Dick, Dick's struggling a little now, so if he listens to this, hopefully uh, he'll, he'll hear this, but he's, uh, he's had some issues with his health, so, so hopefully this will make him feel a little better. But yeah, he was responsible for getting me uh, involved uh, with, with the shooting. And, and take us t- take us a little bit through your your coaching. So so your assistant coach with Richmond. How do you get back to Earlham? Well, I got back to Earlham. Actually, I was assistant coach at Richmond for uh, for four years. I, 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 and then I was out of coaching for a year because I kind of given up on the dream of being a, a high school coach. So I was taught I taught English at Richmond, and uh, then the Earlham job opened up. And actually, the president of the college contacted me and said, would you, would you be interested in coming back and, and working at Earl? Well, I said, well, sure. Uh, and they were, they were really struggling, so I don't know why I said sure. But, but, <laughs> but and so we came back, and they, they struggled the first year. But after that, then we got a lot better. Um, 
And uh, we were winning by the, the, the time I, I had been here for five years as the head coach at, at Richmond. But I took the Richmond job at age 27. And uh, I mean, the, the Richmond, the Earl job at age 27. I'm sorry. And, uh, and I did it for five years. And then um, we, my wife and I had kids. And so if you know about college coaching, especially at the Division three level, you know, you, you coach, you, uh, you scout, you recruit. Uh, and so it was just a lot of time away. And so I thought, I'm, I'm not going I'm, I'm to do that. I, I'm not going to sacrifice that. So then what I did was, because Dick was also doing the shooting camps at that time. He had just started the shooting camps uh, about that time. So I was working the shooting camps with him and coaching at Earlham. So I just thought, I'll work the shooting camps because that will keep me involved with, uh, with basketball. And at that particular time, we were running anywhere from 2,800 to 3,000 campers per summer through the, uh, through the shooting camp. And so I did that for 25 years uh, at the, the basketball shooting camp. Uh, so, yeah, we were seeing at that, I was probably looking at about half of the campers shoot during week. We had them here for about a week, and we would, uh, we would as they called us, the shooting evaluators, we'd be on duty to make sure that we could help people shoot. So we, we saw a lot of different shots, and after a while you have to get pretty good at, at understanding what you want to tell somebody to help them correct their shot and to do it pretty quickly because they, you know, they really want, the, the one thing people always like to do no matter what is they like to, to see the ball go through the basket, you know. So, uh, so, so that's how I got started with that. And then when I was uh, in about 86 or 87, I guess, uh, is when we, I, I did a little AAU coaching with, uh, with Bob Van Pelt, with, with Billy Wright, Chad Austin, and that particular group. Um, and then that's what I said. They went on did well. I, I continued to work some with them when they were in high school because I'd worked with them at the AAU level, and George wanted me to, to work with them on the, the shooting. And so they, they went on and won the, the Indiana High School State title, and then I did some AAU coaching when my son got old enough to, to play and, and, and did a little bit uh, 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 as well just to, to help some other people in the community. But, but that's really what I've, I've done on the, the coaching. Other than now I, I do the, the shooting, and, and we're, we're working with some teams. We, we're working, uh, I guess, Jacksonville, a 1A school. We, we do a lot with them. They're, they're playing well, shooting well, but they got a great coach in, in Scott Smith, and, uh, and he really takes whatever uh, shooting corrections, suggestions that we give them, and he, he makes sure that his players, that they do on there. I just looked this morning, actually, they have the, the top three three-point shooters in Division One and the 1A. They, they've got them. There's one that's shooting 52, and two of them are shooting 50% from three-point range. So they're, they're shooting it well. And as a team, they shoot it at about 45%. So, uh, so that always makes you feel good. But there's nothing magical about it. It's, it's a lot of hard work that kids have to decide that they, they want to put in. Coach, when, when was your last uh, uh, assistant coaching year at Richmond? Oh, my. Uh, my last assistant coaching year at Richmond would have been 
Uh, 80, I believe. Yeah. You know, I always try to bring in something that I remember just because, you know, I wasn't a great ball player, even if you would want to call me a ball player. But I remember going to Richmond uh, uh, in 83 with Broderpool and, uh, of course, uh, my late um, uh, coach, uh, Bill Smith. And uh, what an atmosphere at Richmond, especially in that old gym. Yeah, oh, so, so you were at uh, Rod Ripple and, uh, and Woodson and Cox and, uh, and those, those guys. Uh, a, a little bit younger, a little bit younger than those guys. I was there with uh, Troy Fitz, Clinton Davis, who went on the Bellarmine. Troy Fitz played at IUPUI, but we had the opportunity to come into Richmond. They were ranked six, and we beat them, and it was just it's one of those things, like I asked you about watching uh, Downing and, and McGinnis, but those memories of that gym and the smell of that gym and that locker room, it, it was almost like the movie Hoosiers. Well, it, it was like the movie Hoosiers. I, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, Smitty. I mean, he he was a, he was a great coach. I mean, he really was. Uh, and uh, you played in the uh, in the old uh, in the old Richmond gym, and it. it uh, I remember playing there as a Marion player, and it was you were so close to the out of bounds line. I remember that people would reach out and tap you on the the legs, and you know you're, you're trying to inbound the ball, and, and somebody's tapping you on the leg or something. And it, it, it's uh, uh, yeah, old Civic Hall, uh, but there there was a a a, uh, a stage on one end of it where they had the uh, the, the student section. It, I think it seated about forty five hundred people, but it really was it was probably next to I, I'd say that next to Logan Square. It was probably the worst gym in the North Central Conference. It held a few people, but it was probably the uh, <coughs> the, the smallest gym in the uh, in the in the North Central Conference. Coach, tell us about your relationship with Coach Del Harris, and and I, I, I'm sure there's some stories where he had you come in and help uh, some when he was coaching in the NBA. Uh, and I know there's a couple stories in there about some people that you helped. Will you share those with us? Well, yeah, I, I went out. I won't share names, but but I, I did go out and look, and I, I saw some of the, the shooters uh, shoot. The, the one that I, I never messed with was, and I will say this: the, the person I never ever messed with was was Shaquille, because he uh, is a great guy, really a, a nice guy. Um, but the problem was that if he, if he would make a, a couple free throws, that was fine. But if he missed a few, then somebody would tell him something to do, and he would try to change, and he'd try to change, and it. In, in, in order probably to ever get through to him, you probably would have had to have been with him throughout a whole season, even, you know, because he, I mean, he really wanted to be better at it. You know, he wanted to be better at the free throw. But, you know, flying in and out, you weren't going to, you weren't going to really make a, a change on him because, uh, so I, I, I never said much to him, but I did say some things to some other guys there that, uh, and, and they, they they worked them, they followed them, and they, they ended up shooting better, which was uh, which which was good. Um, Coach Harris, uh, uh, we still have a, a very good relationship. Uh, in fact, uh, in 2012, he wrote a book on lifelong relationships uh, that is called On Point, and uh, he he asked me to write the. Uh, the forward for that particular book. And so Calipari has a, a quote on the book, uh, in the book, uh, but it was an honor for, for him to, to ask me if I would write the forward for this because the book is about 
lifelong relationships, how you go about building lifelong relationships, and what it means to, to be on point. So you can Google that, and, and I'm sure you'll find as you put on point Dell Harris, you'll see his, uh, his particular book. But, but I was fortunate enough to write the foreword for it. Um, he, uh, I'm probably in touch with him oh, once a week via email, and we probably talk, uh, I, I don't know, maybe a couple times a month or, or something like that. But he's been very, very good to the uh, Richmond community, uh, especially to uh, the, the Boys and Girls Club here in the Richmond community. A few years ago, he, he brought in um, Calafari. Uh, then Crean heard about that, so he contacted Crean. So Crean came in at his invitation, and they, they both raised an, an enormous amount of money for the Boys and Girls Club. And then uh, two years ago, Nancy Lieberman came in, and she spoke at, at the Boys and Girls Club Smart Futures dinner. So he still comes back to Richmond uh, on a regular basis. He, whenever he's back in town, he comes over to Earlham. He, uh, he's, he's willing to talk with the, uh, the players who are here. He's, just, uh, he's, he's a great guy for all the success that he's had. Uh, he still says that probably the most enjoyable time that he had coaching uh, was here at Earlham. And he said it's, it's different in the NBA, you know, it's really, it's entertainment there in the NBA. And, and he, you know, he coached really good players. He coached Moses Malone, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. Those are some pretty good players when you start to think about people that, that he, uh, he's been around and, and that he uh, influenced. Uh, a very underrated, in my opinion, and uh, deserves to be in the Naseth Hall, Na- Naismith Hall of Fame, agree? I, I totally agree. I, uh, because not only has he, he, he has done it at the, uh, you know, he started in, at the Indiana high school level. He then went to the uh, college uh, level at the small college here at Earlham, and then into the pros. And then he also coached the Chinese national team in 2004, and they had one of the biggest upsets in the Olympics that you could have, uh, and so I think they got into like the, the final pool play for, uh, for uh, this team, and they weren't supposed to do it at all. Now, Yao Ming was on that particular team, but for him to get that particular team into the finals was, uh, uh, I believe, the final eight teams or whatever of the uh, uh, Olympics was, was amazing. And not only has he done it with China, but he's also helped the Canadian national team and he, he's done things internationally, uh, nationally, you know, at, at all different levels and, and really gives us his time. You know, he, he's definitely a, a Naismith Hall of Famer. Coach, which is easier or which do you most enjoy since you've done all three in your career? Is uh, uh, teaching a young high school kid, uh, a college kid, or, you know, a, a Robert Ory type? Which, which is easier to do? Uh, well... Probably the, the easiest one to do is, is the younger. The younger, the better, only because the habit hasn't been ground in as much. You know, when when you when the the the, the habits ground into the body, then it's it's more difficult for somebody to to feel a change in the body. So what you you can only and, and it really is about motor education. You know, you just it has to be something that you can't think about. You just do, and you have to feel it. Uh, when you're you're shooting uh, the, the basketball, so if the habit's ground in, the first thing you have to do is you have to take the old habit out and then put the new habit in. 
So the older they get, the more difficult. Although it is easier if there's a certain correction, if there, if there are certain corrections to be made. An example is if somebody doesn't have a shooting pocket, if they start the ball too low in the shooting pocket or too high in the pocket, then it's easy to, to put a, make sure that you take the ball to your shooting pocket. It's easy to time them. You can tell them what they need to do in order to time their shot. Uh, I can't tell you that on the air because uh, uh, my hoop busters buddy would be upset if I told you what we do there. So. <laughs> uh, but, but it is easy. Once, once somebody has form, okay, and, and they know how to, basically in shooting, if you can start the ball the same place and you take it to the same place, and you release it at the right time and direct it, you're going to be successful as long as, you know, if, if you had success doing that. If, if you watch somebody like Stephen Curry, he does that all the time. I mean, it's the same place. Ball comes the same place. Okay. He lifts it to the same place where he's going to shoot it. And uh, when we're talking about jump shooting, and uh, he releases it at the same time. His, his timing is, is uh, impeccable. And, and obviously, he knows how to direct the ball very softly uh, to the basket. So, but that—that's really the, the the basics to it. I mean, it's, it's, but the, the issue is how you get people to do that is is what it is. But that—it's it, not complicated. The more complicated part is is getting people to do it. If you don't pick the ball up the right way, then you'll have a difficult time uh, finishing the right way, and that only makes sense as well because if you don't start right it's more difficult to finish uh, the shot the right way. Uh, tell, up a, tell us about Hoop Busters. Well, Hoop Busters is something that, uh, you know, we, uh, I stopped doing the, uh, because I, I'm, a, I'm a, a vice president at Earl now, so I don't have the same time that I used to have to do the camps uh, here at, uh, uh, at Richmond. And, and, and I don't think, Dick, I, I don't know how much longer Dick will, will try to have uh, his particular camp go anyway, but, so we, we started doing hoop busters uh, about 10 or 12 years ago, uh, which is, you know, we, we do two or three weeks of this, and I can fit that into a schedule of, of three-day camps. And then the price is, is very, very reasonable. And part of the reason why, and, and what I had said to the guy, uh, Gus Adams, who's the, uh, the guy who, who started hoop busters, uh, when I was a kid, one of the things, you can imagine being from a family of nine, one of the things that we always wanted to do was, you know, you wanted to go to a camp where, I remember Cassie Russell was speaking at a camp at Taylor University. Well, I couldn't go. Well, there's no way my parents could afford for me to go see Cassie Russell speak and, you know, my other siblings to do whatever they wanted to do, too. And so one of the things that, that I, I said to him was, let's make this affordable, let's teach them well so that they know that they're getting good teaching, and we'll bring some people in who... Uh, We'll share their story with them. So, you know, they've had, you know, Jay Edwards has come in, uh, Woody Austin, uh, Chad Austin, Lisa Shepard, uh, uh, Kyle Cox has come in from a coaching standpoint, Tony Cox is a, a great trainer, uh, and, and, and a lot of others. There's been other Indiana All-Stars and, and people who have stopped, and Ray Tolbert uh, has come in. Uh, but people come in and they, they talk to the campers, they share their stories. Now, most of these people were very similar to, to the kind of uh, upbringing that I had, and that is th their parents couldn't afford to send people to camp that cost, nowadays would cost, you know, three, $400. Back then, maybe if it was $100 even uh, in the 70s. They just couldn't afford it. So what we tried to do is make it affordable, uh, 
teach good skills to them in a, in a three-day setting and, uh, and bring in people who can tell them about their life story, whether they did everything correct in life or not, what they would do a little differently if they had a chance to do it over again, but then to also talk to them about really honing their, their basketball skills and using basketball in a way that will help them make a positive difference in life. So, uh, you know, we think it's worked well. Uh, and and uh, this past year, they had over 100 people in this little gym in Laurel, Indiana, which it's kind of hard to believe that I go to Laurel, Indiana, but I do go to Laurel, <laughs> Indiana. Uh, and uh, we, we, we go down there, and, and we, we have a, a good time with the campers. There's no air conditioning. Uh, they sweat a lot. <laughs> it's, uh, but it kind of brings back the old atmosphere of that's the way it was in the 70s. You know, there wasn't air conditioning, and you just played. And, and these kids, they, they love it. You know, they absolutely love it. Uh, uh, obviously, it's, it's grown and grown over the years, and I don't think he can do uh, as many as uh, – literally, we had 105 kids in there last year, two different sessions, but it, it's a lot. That was a lot of kids. I mean, we, we – we, uh, we worked with all of them, and we we uh, did our best to make sure they had a, a really good experience, and we think that they did. And is that hoopbusters.com if people are interested? I think if you just Google hoopbusters, I think you'll I think you'll get it. Yeah, uh, I you know I really don't, I haven't gone to the website uh, recently, but there is a there's a hoopbusters page there. Yep, uh, Coach, what do you what is your what is your your best feeling? about correcting a shot or, or you know, uh, in, in all of your coaching, what, 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 what's your best feeling that you get out of uh, helping someone with their shot or even with uh, telling them stories about life? You know, I, I think what I, I get out of it is when uh, a kid has success, uh, I, I'm, I'm just really happy for the kid. Now, often they'll come up and they'll, they'll say, you know, thanks, we appreciate it, what you did really helped me. I mean, that always makes you feel good. You know, I'm not going to uh, lie about that. You do feel good about that. But really, I get the enjoyment out of watching them, uh, you know, get close to, if not reach their, their maximum potential uh, when it comes to, you know, and not just shooting, but some offensive skills. You know, we, we try to teach them how to take the ball to the basket as well, finish around the basket, and, you know, they have to be able to dribble it. The thing I always tell them is why is it people can't shoot off the dribble and it's because they can't dribble. Well, that's pretty simple, but it's the truth. If you can't dribble, you can't shoot off the dribble. So they have to know how to bounce the ball, shoot off the dribble, shoot off the pass, shoot the stationary jump shot. So we try to teach them all the different ways that they're going to shoot the, the basketball. And when you see them succeed and their team succeed because of that, and then uh, when they come up to you and they – Thank you for being a small part, and you are a small part because what you can do is you can give them the corrections. But as I always say to them, as well, it truly is not magic; it is hard work. That's exactly what it is. I, I do know that when I when I went to see the, the Lakers practice, uh, the the first two people in the gym uh, at that particular time they were Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal, and the last two people out of the gym were Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. So there's a reason why those guys were really good. Okay, I mean they they work and they work really hard, even though people don't quite understand that they see the the the, the glory of it. But so it, it was uh, that that's what I get out of it is, is knowing how hard this kid has had to work 
in order to achieve what they wanted to achieve and in order to make their team uh, be better. Uh, tell us about Earlham College. How, how has it changed since you were there as a student, as, a, as an athlete, and what do you do for the college today? Uh, I'm a vice president now. I, I'm a vice president of institutional advancement and community relations. So I work close to make sure that we're, we have good ties with the, uh, with the local community, Richmond, Wayne County, uh, even extend over in Indianapolis from, from time to time. Um, the athletic director now reports to me as well, and then I, I, I raise funds for the college as well. It's changed in a lot of different ways. We have a president who's very, uh, for years, Earlham was not as, um, uh, I, I don't think Earlham thought much about athletics after the era when I played at Earlham and then coached here for a while. Earlham just didn't pay much attention to it, just kind of ignored it. But we have a president now that pays close attention to it and wants the teams to be successful. Um, and an example is we have a, a new baseball stadium, which is, we think it's the nicest Division Three stadium in the, in the country. You have to come over and see it sometimes. It, it really is nice. Uh, anyway, our baseball team had gone 41 years without a winning season. The last two years, they've had winning seasons. Uh, they played in the conference tournament last year. They're going to be even better this year. Uh, our basketball has struggled, but we've got a good coach now. It will be better, I will say, in the next couple years. He'll make it uh, good again. Uh, the president is at every basketball game, men's and women's. He loves basketball. He's at all of the soccer matches. We've been good in soccer for years. We're getting ready to construct a new soccer stadium. We just renovated the, uh, the football stadium. Um, we have a very nice gym, holds about 2,000 people, but it's very nice for Division Three level where uh, we just received a, uh, which is in my particular area, received about a, a $2 million gift to help us renovate the, uh, our athletics and wellness center, uh, which is uh, a new facility anyway from 1998, but obviously now it needs some upgrading, so we're going to upgrade that. So I think when you look at Erlon and you talk about athletics at Erlon, there's a, a, different, uh, a different view point on that, okay? Um, but uh, I think the other piece of this is that Erwin uh, um, is an outstanding school academically. And that's the one thing that I hope people always keep in mind is that as they look at a college, they need to look both at, at the academic side actually is, is the side that, that you want to focus on, but then what do you offer me from um, the standpoint of being you know, am I going to be in the orchestra, a play? Am I going to be an athlete? Can I have the total experience? And, and that would be the one thing that I would recommend to, to students who are out there. It's what I said. The most unfair decision you have to make at 18 years old is where do you go to school? Uh, fortunately, I, I was able to make a, a, a good choice because of Coach Harris. Uh, coach, one last question. I know we're running a little bit long, but you still have that team coaching bug. Would you, would you, would, would you like to uh, coach a team again, or are you just you happy where you're at and what you're doing now? Uh, no, I'm happy where I am. I'm, I'm absolutely happy where I am. Uh, I, uh, I, I would not, uh, you know, I, 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 do co I, I get to coach enough because coaches uh, have me in to work with shooters, and then they say, so what do you think about this? Well, how would you approach this? How would you attack this? Or how would you guard this? Or, or would you play a little matchup zone here? Or you know, can you show us what the matchup looks like? So I, I you know, I still get my, I, I get my hands in it enough 
that uh, I really enjoy. The, the coaches here, the men's and women's coach, they both bring student athletes by. They allow me to, uh, to talk uh, to them. I have, have one project going now with a, uh, uh, we had a basketball player on the women's team last year. I think she shot about 20% from the free throw line. Well, we worked with her a little. She's four for four this year, so we're keeping track <laughs> on her this year just to see how she does. But, uh, so we're, 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 we're hopeful that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I get a, it, it's really good uh, for me to be involved that way, but so I don't get too big of an itch. Coach Ava Stewart, thank you so much for spending time with us on uh, Keeping the Stobs Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I think everybody's going to enjoy this, and I thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Billy. Thank you, Coach.